The reading is taken from Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 50. Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who has the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not, skipped, not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has, forgiven, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here ends the reading. Let's just bow our heads to pray as we come to look at God's word together. And Father, we love you, we worship you, and we humble ourselves before you this evening. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would meet with us now, that you'd move our hearts, that you'd change us, that you'd convict us, and that we'd meet with you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good to see you this evening. I'm Gareth, I'm one of the clergy here, a church planting associate minister to be specific. And if you want to grab a Bible and turn to Luke 7, we're going to be looking at this together this evening. And the title of my message this evening is Weeping at the Feet of Christ. Weeping at the Feet of Christ. And just before we look at this together, I just want to read from Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 15. And in Jeremiah 6, God says to his people, Judah, Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No. They were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. They did not know how to blush. And one thing we can see in our culture right now is our culture doesn't know how to blush. In fact, our culture has got more depraved, more godless, more further away from God. In fact, recently I heard a Pentecostal preacher say that if God does not bring judgment on our world, then he's going to have to go back to Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize. 
because our world has plunged far deeper depths of depravity than they did. And, and we see this now, the Christian message is, is being censored and shut down in the public arena. I'm seeing uh, you, or we're seeing YouTube taking down Christian messages off of YouTube and anything that, that confronts the culture of the truth. We see the godlessness in the world. We see all of the, all of the filth that's piped into our homes, like through television and social media, kind of like, like spiritual sewage that's just poured into our lives. And naturally, this worldliness gets inside of us. It gets inside of you and me, doesn't it? It's so easy to look at things we shouldn't look at, watch things that we shouldn't be watching. And there's a real danger that our hearts and our minds can get completely compromised with all kinds of impurity. We can forget about the holiness of God. We can lose the fear of the Lord. Now, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. Where is that that holy fear of God today. And I'll say in many ways that the, the modern church has forgotten how to blush. The true meaning of that word doesn't just mean to be embarrassed or red-faced, and we don't like being embarrassed, we hate that, but this is talking about being humiliated, being deeply ashamed, feeling the conviction of the things we've done wrong. As a, as a nation and as a church, we, we've forgotten how to blush, we've forgotten how to weep as well. We've forgotten how to blush in the humiliation of the things we've done wrong, and we, we've forgotten how to weep in lament of it. And so as we look at Luke chapter 7, we see there's this, uh, this Pharisee. He's, he's invited the Lord Jesus around to his house, and Jesus has come to, to spend time with this Pharisee called Simon. And I'm guessing it doesn't tell us, but this Pharisee probably thought Jesus was quite interesting. You know, he's a well-known Jewish teacher. Why not come around? I just want to hear what he has to say for himself. And so... There is the Lord Jesus talking and, and spending time with this, this Pharisee and this, and this woman comes in and this woman starts to weep and she, she stands at the feet of Christ washing the Lord Jesus' uh, feet with her tears and she weeps and she washes the Lord Jesus' feet and, and what we see here is, is this, this scene unfold and before we, we look at the woman I just want to first of all look at Simon. He's the first person we see in this story. And as it unfolds, it becomes very clear very quickly that whilst Simon was entertaining Christ and spending time with him, he didn't actually love him. He was with the Lord Jesus in person. He was talking to him. He was communing with him. He was eating with him. And yet there's no love there. He had no love for Christ. And it's possible for a person to have all of the outward appearances All of the respect of the person of Christ and Christianity. You might think, well, I like Christianity. There's some useful things that it teaches. Or you might think, well, you know, I've got a respect for Christ. But do you actually love him? Do you actually know him? And Simon had shown a lot of respect in some ways to invite the Lord Jesus round to his house. You think, well, he's done something right there. He's invited the Lord round to his house. But the point is, he missed the whole point of who Jesus is. He'd missed the whole good news that Jesus had come to bring and the invitation that was offered for salvation and the forgiveness of sins. You know, it's very possible to have all the respect of Christianity, see the value of it, spend time with Christ even by coming to church on a Sunday and yet not loving him and serving him in our lives. I wonder this evening... Do we love the Lord Jesus Christ? 
And it's, it's a big question, and there are times where we could think, yeah, I really do love him, and there are other times where life has got on top of us, and, and actually, I, I don't know if I love the Lord in the way that I'm living my life right now. Do we love the Lord Jesus Christ? And is that answer yes because it's true or yes because it's the right thing to say? Do we love the Lord Jesus this evening? Are we in awe of him? Are we amazed by him? Simon had a heart of stone and and this hard heart was truly exposed when this woman comes into his house and he would have been, I would imagine, very offended by this woman. Like, he knows who this woman is and his attitude is, what's this woman doing in my house? What is she doing gate-crushing my dinner party and I've got this really important guest that I'm entertaining. What is this woman, this, this woman of immorality doing in my house? And then he starts judging, not just her, but the Lord Jesus. And in his heart, he watches this woman washing the Lord Jesus' feet with her tears. What a, by the way, what a beautiful act of reverence and devotion that was. And yet he says to himself, Simon's sitting there watching all this, and he says to himself, if this man was a prophet, then he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. She is a sinner. And now what Simon has done in his mind is he's made two very quick assumptions about the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, he can't be a prophet because he doesn't know who this woman is. And if he did know who this woman is, then he wouldn't let her go anywhere near him. So he can't be a man of God. And so using this very flawed reasoning, he's come to the conclusion that this man cannot be of anyone of any significance. And people do this today as well. They will deny in their hearts that Jesus is Lord. They, they will never come to a knowledge of the truth. Simon had already convinced himself that Jesus was not the Messiah. He'd already come to that conclusion. And he wrongly judged both Jesus and this woman. And if, if Simon had really loved this, this, the Lord Jesus Christ and this woman in front of him, he would have had compassion towards her. But the thing about Simon that we see is because he hadn't experienced forgiveness, he had no spiritual grid to understand what was happening in front of him. This just seemed crazy. And what we see is the fact that Simon was actually a sinner himself and couldn't even see it. He was no less a sinner than this woman was to begin with. In fact, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everyone's sinned. You've sinned, I've sinned. The only difference is that Simon thought that he was a better person than this woman. He knew about her lifestyle. He'd probably seen her go off with other men and he knew all about her. And people probably would have talked about her bad reputation. But what about him? What about his heart and life? The thing is, he thought he was doing just fine. But I tell you, there's a whole load of sins that we know about with, with Simon. There's a whole load of other things that we don't. I'm sure his list of sins was a lot worse. But what we do know about him, we can see already in this, in this text in Luke, the first thing we see is that he was proud. There's pride there. And then there's self-righteousness as well. And there's judging another person. But worse than anything else, there's unbelief. He doesn't believe. And the greatest sin of all is not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's the only way that we can come to salvation. And for all this outward veneer of respectability, there was a man who was cold and hard-hearted, didn't love the Lord Jesus, didn't recognize who was sitting next to him. 
He didn't recognise either that this woman was acting in worship because she'd been forgiven. All he could do was sit there and judge. The thing I've noticed in my life is that sin distorts our view of ourselves. You notice it's so easy to see the flaws in other people. I see this in myself all the time. You, see, you notice the things in other people that grate with you, but the things that are wrong in yourself often need to, be, need to be brought to my attention. Someone has to point it out to you. Do you realise that this is how you come across? Do you realise this is how you behave? In fact, we talk about having a blind spot, as it were. And that, you know, it's why people who are really close to us, who love us, who are good friends and family, it's actually an act of real kindness to say, by the way, you've got a real blind spot in this area. There's a sin in this area of your life that you, that you haven't noticed. I was actually on the phone to my mum this week and she was telling me all about certain things I needed to sort out. <laughs> and, you know, thank God for that. Thank God for having a northern mum who will call a spade a spade and just say, you really need to sort yourself out. That's not good enough. All of us need it. We need our sin to be shown to us. We need the mirror held up to us. This is what you're really like. And and Simon, for all his religiosity, he didn't realise that actually he's the sinner and this woman is the saint. He's the one who's in the wrong and she's the one who's been forgiven. So let's focus our attention from Simon back onto the woman. Now, this woman, she knew how to blush. She knew how how to feel that godly sorrow. In fact, the Bible says that godly sorrow leads to repentance without regret, but worldly sorrow leads to death. And we see that all the time. A godly sorrow, as it were, says, woe is me. But a worldly sorrow says, poor me. Poor me, everything's really bad in my life. It's not fair. Godly sorrow sees God as the offended person and, and, it, and it grieves the sin. It says, I've done this wrong and I've sinned against God. The psalmist says in Psalm 51, against you, Lord, and you only have I sinned. Godly sorrow says, I have sinned, woe is me. But worldly sorrow is just self-pity. It's, oh, poor me. Everything's bad and I want to pass the blame on someone else. It was was because that person did that person thing to me when I was younger. It's because of that relationship I went through that went wrong. It's because of the way that person treated me. And it's always someone else's fault. And you see people like this, where they can't own their sin. It's always got to be passed on to someone else. But actually, godly, godly sorrow owns the sin. But early this week, as I spent time praying, I was just thinking about this, but thinking also just more about the holiness of God, just contemplating the holiness of God. And, and you know, I remembered a sin that I'd done that, that shocked me. I don't know if you ever have that, and not that you want to go back and pull up past sin that's forgiven, but just a moment where I remembered something that, that shocked me. And in that moment, I was deeply distressed. I thought, how could I mess up like that? And and I remember just feeling it kind of burn inside me. And then I just took a deep breath and remembered that Christ died for me for that sin. He bled and died on the cross for that sin in order that I could be forgiven. That that sin is covered by the blood of Christ. But also recognising that sin is serious, that we grieve those things. We remember things that we've done and we haven't done since, but we think, I'm shocked that I'd do that. And there has to be that realising that, that sin really is serious. That we are, we are violating the holiness and glory of God. And true godly sorrow says, I have sinned against God. I need his forgiveness. 
I'll not never wander away from him like that again. I need to stay close to Christ. This woman, she knew that she'd sinned. And her tears of weeping were because she knew what she'd done was wrong. But she was also so grateful for the forgiveness that she had. And I believe that for some of us here, God wants in love to humble some of us. That we'd be able to weep at the feet of Christ again. Do, do you weep at the feet of Christ? Do you cling to the feet of Christ and weep and know that, that it is only through him that we have a relationship with God and that we have forgiveness. You know, this, these women's te- tears were so beautiful because they were an act of devotion, an outward sign of what had already happened inside of her. Now, we don't know, because Luke doesn't tell us, but it, it's quite clear, or it seemed quite clear that at some point she'd met with the Lord Jesus. Maybe she'd heard him teaching. Maybe she'd met him in person. We don't know. But she had already received that forgiveness, and these tears were an outward working of what she'd already received, what had already happened in her. And a person cannot be saved unless they see how serious their sin is and their guilt before God and need of forgiveness. You know, her response was one of great humility and and service to the Saviour. You know, in Middle Eastern culture, it was disgraceful for a woman to let her hair down. You, you You want to know what humility looks like. Here is a woman who normally would have her face painted or, or made up, who'd have her hair plaited as she, as she walked into the town, maybe previously to seduce some man. And here she is now, weeping, no makeup, her hair down, using her hair as a towel to dry the feet of the, the Saviour. That's what true humility looks like. This woman's a picture of, of godly humility and, and repentance. Anyway, meanwhile, let's just go back to Simon the Pharisee for a moment. He sat there thinking to himself, does this woman have no shame? The answer is actually no, she doesn't because she's forgiven and she's redeemed and she's, and she's received that forgiveness. But what about you? He sat there judging her. He sat there thinking, this man, he can't be a prophet. And then how embarrassing is this? Jesus reads his mind. Like, how embarrassing is that? You're sat there thinking this man's not a prophet, and then he just read his mail and said, let me ask you something. You know, God reads our minds. He knows our minds. The psalmist says, you discern my thoughts from afar. That's quite scary, isn't it? God sees your thoughts from afar. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. I love when, when Job says, you know, I've, I've said too much, I'm just going to cover my mouth and not say anything else. I think like that a lot of the time, sometimes. I've said too much. But God knows what's on our minds and on our hearts. We can't hide anything from him. And also here this evening, God isn't here just to make polite conversation with us. He's here to do work in our hearts. You know, Simon was there making polite conversation. But actually Jesus was more interested in the state of his heart and I just wonder this evening, you're just not completely tired of worrying about what people think about you. Are you just not exhausted of living this double life where we kind of have to be nice and look all, all good on the outside to so people around church? We try and put on this veneer, but deep down we know that's not consistent. That's exhausting. And God says, that's okay, be real, repent of that, come to me. Are we just not exhausted of, of rebranding sin rather than repenting of it? And we all do this. I, I do it. I'm sure we all do this. We, we play it down. It's not sin. It's just a mistake. It's, a, it's just a bad day. It's a personality quirk. 
It's brokenness. No, it's other people winding me up. If other people didn't, didn't wind me up, I wouldn't respond in that way. But we've forgotten to how to blush when we do that. It's sin. We've done wrong. It's my fault and I'm owning it. I've messed up in that area. And that's when we weep before Christ because we've got nowhere else to turn. God knows about your sin. He knows about my sin. And that's why he sent his son to the cross for us. So going back to Simon the Pharisee, his heart was so hard as flint, and he's judging the Lord Jesus as well as this woman. So Jesus tells him this short parable. Two men um, owed a moneylender some money. One person then owed ten times as much. They couldn't pay off the debt. And so the moneylender just let them both off. We'll just let you both off. You don't have to pay. And Jesus says, now which of them will love the moneylender more? And I think you can guess that Simon is starting to think uh, that he knows what's coming. He's been challenged and he answers cautiously, well, I, I suppose it was the one who owed the more money. And Jesus puts him right on the spot and says, you're absolutely right. Let's just look at your welcome and your hospitality, which was acceptable, but it was nothing special, let's face it. There was no warmth or love towards Jesus. You know, this was, this was really something that was offered in, in a kind of way of, well, this is, this is an interesting person, I'll invite him round, but this isn't a special guest. And yet this woman had outdone him on every single count. And, and it had come from a humble and forgiven heart. And Jesus says to Simon, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who forgives little, loves little. And Jesus makes this point, the person who's forgiven a lot, loves more. In other words, what he's saying to him is, if a person approaches God under the the illusion that they don't really need much forgiven, that they're pretty much a good person, that person's heart has not been changed, and they've not met with Christ And a lot of people say this, say, oh, I'm a good person. I'm doing okay. I don't need forgiveness. But if you think like that, you haven't met with Christ and you're still lost. And Jesus points out to Simon his rather lame hospitality. No water offered to to wash the dust off his feet. Not even a kiss of welcome, which was common in in the ancient world. No, not even olive oil to, to pour in his head. And yet this woman, she had washed his feet with her tears. She'd kissed his feet and anointed his feet with the most expensive ointment. And what Jesus does here is contrast Simon's hard heart with this woman's act of love and devotion. She loved much. Her faith has saved her. Her sins are forgiven and go in peace. She's sent away in peace. She's the one who's forgiven. But Simon is still unforgiven. He's still in sin. He can't even see it. The Apostle Paul says in Romans, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And just to close, this is a most beautiful picture of the gospel. This is what the gospel looks like. This woman who's a sinner, she's known by everybody else as a sinner. She herself in her heart is distressed and distraught by the things she's done. And she comes weeping at the feet of Christ with gratitude and forgiveness 
for the salvation that's freely given to her. And she knew she didn't deserve it. And she could never earn it. And the beauty of the gospel is that there is no sin so great that God cannot forgive you if you will humble yourself and come before him. Like this woman weeping at his feet. And yet on the other hand, we see with Simon a photograph of dead religion for all of the outer, polite appearance of respectability. He despised the Lord Jesus in his heart. He had contempt for the woman. Religious people tend to be very judgmental. We see that in Simon. And when he's challenged about it, he's just awkward and embarrassed. And his heart was not changed. Just as I close, I've just been thinking about this as I close about how I'd love to think that Simon did actually have a change of heart. I don't know if he did. Perhaps it's unlikely. But the good news is that you and I can see this. And you know, I don't know about you, but I see a lot of myself in Simon sometimes. I see that hard heart. And yet I see the woman weeping at Christ's feet and I also know that, that I am indebted to God. And I believe the call this evening is to get down from the table and weep at the feet of Christ. To get down out of that place of pride, a place of, of holding on to things that we think are good about ourselves and actually recognise we have nothing but to the cross of Christ that we cling. Let's just stand. I'd like to invite the band back, but just let us stand... Before we respond in, in worship, I just want to offer you this opportunity for, for all of us, myself included. I've shared this evening how God has have to, had to work on my heart. I'm just like anybody else. People can put people on pedestals for some, some crazy reason to think because you're in ministry or something that, you know, you're some paragon of virtue. Well, I'm certainly not. And, and, and if I can humble myself up here, then... I pray that we can humble ourselves this evening as well and say, Lord, we, we're so sorry for the times when we won't humble ourselves. We're so sorry for the times where, like Simon, we just sit there at the table in our ivory towers judging other people. I've done it. I'm sure you have as well. But Lord, we, we are so sorry. We confess our hard hearts. You know, just before, just before we come to time of worship, I, I had a, a, a picture a while ago. I, just, I was praying. I just felt there was, uh, I saw a picture of like a, a stream that, that, that flowed and, and, and a pouring of, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I, I just really felt, and I want to share this this evening and for what it's worth, either take it or, or, or let it go. But I really felt that, that you, we will know at St. Peter's that, that, that God's going to do something very significant, but we will know when that happens when there's weeping. I just really sense that there is, there is going to be a season of weeping, like a river of tears. There's going to be a, a season of weeping, and, and in those tears, we will know that that is the beginning of God doing something remarkable in, in, in our fellowship here. And so, Father, we, we just worship you, and we love you, and we humble ourselves before you this evening. And, Lord, if, if we need to cry, Lord, we just... You know, I, I met some vicar friends recently... And I said to them, I'm just going to leave now. It was, it was a wonderful time. I had to go. And I said, I've got to leave now. And I'm just going to go before I do something embarrassing like cry. And one of my friends said, don't be embarrassed of that. 
And, and I really felt that was prophetic. Don't be embarrassed of tears. That God is in the weeping. So, Father, we humble ourselves before you this evening. We love you, we worship you, and we cling onto the feet of the Saviour this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.